Hi everyone and welcome to my new podcast, Out of Sight. I've tried this intro like six times and I think I just need to chill. <laughs> my name's Sarah, I'm 23, I'm from Ireland, I'm mixed race, so my mummy's Irish and my dad is African, he's from Gambia. I'm currently living in London, I'm studying a master's in journalism, which is where I've got to use this Unreal Equipment for a podcast. And yeah, I've wanted to create a podcast for so long now, but I always thought that nobody would care about what I have to say. (laughs) And that might be true, but I'm going to do it anyway. I also didn't know what exactly to talk about because I feel like everyone, a lot of people have podcasts at the minute and to do well, you need to be like original. So I think coming to London as well helped me figure out what I wanted to talk about. So I want this podcast to be a space for anyone, particularly back at home who maybe didn't have a voice or has been hidden in society because they're different than the majority or even if they're just simply going against what's the norm. My goal is to inspire as many people as possible and also to educate and just to have fun and yeah as I said a lot of people do a podcast at the minute but even if I can just help one person then that's enough so yeah I'll go into more detail soon. But for now, this is the first episode and I hope you enjoy. Today I have Ao Fierce on. Um, she's an Irish model, creator, host and mental health advocate. And yeah, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey guys, my name's Ayo. I'm so happy to be on here today. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I just realised I pronounced your name wrong. <laughs> Very sorry. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so it's Ayo. Yeah. Ayo, yeah. Okay, fab. So you said you're from West Meath, which is the countryside, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how was that growing up? So you've, you said to me that you are you were the first black family in the area. Um, yeah. So how was that for you growing up? So do you know what? Growing up for me, like, it was very... I don't know if, like, if I would say that, like... I feel like I fit in very well. Because first of all, I had no clue. Like you could not tell me that I was black. Like I had no clue that I was black and I was different. And like I felt like very much like nobody kind of treated me different during that area. And I didn't see anybody who looked like me either. So it was very easy for me to just be like, okay, like yeah, this is it or whatever. Like this is my life. So um, the one thing that I did notice that, like growing up like in that type of environment is like Irish culture in general and how like it's so normal to just kind of be like as humble as possible and try not to like compliment yourself or try not to like to your own horn or like be confident or whatever the case was and growing up in like in a Nigerian household it's like you know Nigerians are very much like overly confident and they love to toot their own horn and put themselves out there and do whatever so for me it was kind of like I was stuck in the middle like personality wise I was stuck in the middle of am I confident am I not confident am I like what I feel like I had a lot of identity crises crises identity crises growing up um, and I really wasn't sure what I was and what I wasn't so I did struggle a lot with anxiety like I've had anxiety like my whole life so when I got a bit older and went on into secondary school and then there was like a few more like black families that moved into the town, like only like one or two. And then um, I would say like around junior, third, like, so like third year uh, TY, I started like, 
I would say I started being like very curious and looking out and seeing like what's going on outside in the world, like with music, with fashion, whatever, like social media. Like I just wanted to know what was going on. And same with like the the other two like black girls I was friends with in secondary school. We were all just like, okay, so like, what's going on outside? And around that time as well is when the whole like, um, this is the time where everyone like, all the black girls stopped like, relaxing their hair and started wearing it natural and it was all like okay everyone's trying to be like it was trending to be Mm pro-black so we stopped relaxing our hair we stopped doing this and like okay we're actually digging into our roots like what's going on like what type of um like things do black people normally wear like you know makeup as well like around that area you don't have like like the shade ranges are so limited like you cannot find your shades like at all even if like the brand does provide your shade they're not going to stock it for mm-hmm. you down there so it was a case where like at that time I started going out and buying basically Caucasian foundation like coming home and mixing it in with cocoa powder <laughs> because that's the only way that I would find my shade and I was like okay and I started researching and researching and seeing so many things on Instagram and I was like hold on a second like I'm now seeing like the distance between me and the people I'm around. Like we are mm-hmm. like very different. So I started moving different. I started being, I guess, um, educating myself more about my roots, being pro-black or whatever, and kind of like developing my own style. So at this point, I started growing this confidence. I was absolutely obsessed with Beyonce. Um, and she had this album called I Am Sasha Fierce, which is where my name came from, I Fierce, because she had, like, her alter ego. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have my alter ego as well. I can be a whole new person. So I started being, like, super confident and whatever. And back then, and I remember everyone used to call me a poser. And being called a poser was actually not a good thing. In my head, like, I was like, okay, I'm a poser. Being called a poser was not a good thing. Like, it basically meant, like, you were vain or whatever, or you just don't think the center of attention. And I was like okay, if you want to call me a poser, I'm a poser. So secondary school ended and I decided, okay, I'm going to start putting myself out there when I'm going to start a YouTube channel. So I started a YouTube channel and everybody was kind of like, like looking at me sideways. And I was kind of, it was actually really scary that whole time frame because being like talked about in that type of way of like, Oh, like, what is she doing? Was well, quite scary at the time. But I was like, look, I'm going to be going into college anyway. So, like, if anybody wants to say anything, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So, I started uni and then I was doing YouTube. And then I was not, I didn't purposely like think that, okay, I want to grow my Instagram, but it just kind of happened on the side by accident. And then I started basically having some viral posts on Instagram and all kind of stuff and I was being more consistent and I was like okay this is working for me um and I remember when I was younger as well I did used to want to be a model so so bad like I looked at the Tyra Banks so much like she was like my idol but like everyone I'm, I'm really small so everyone needs to be like look you're way too small you're never gonna be a model you're never gonna need this but then being like where I am now like shooting for brands like influencing doing everything I feel like for people back where I'm from, it was definitely, like, a huge shock. Like, nobody, like, not even, like, nobody would have ever expected me to be doing what I'm doing today and for me to be doing it full-time as well. Mm-hmm. And 
because I was doing a nursing course. I deferred last April when I was in Toji. I deferred and decided to just do this full time. And even that again, I was like a second, like, oh my God, like, what is she doing? Like, mm-hmm. like what is going on? And then like, ever since I have been doing what I am doing, obviously living in the city now, I live in Dublin, living in the city, like it's a lot more multicultural, like things are like a lot more normal. But at the same time, like I do still see like some traits that I would have seen in the countryside, like doing shoots or doing campaigns. And, you know, it does get to a point where you do feel like the token black girl because <laughs> you'll be in a shoot and let's say there's 10 people in the shoot and there's like seven, like seven blondes, like two brunettes and one redhead and then just around the black girl like there it's like what was the reason mm-hmm. for inclusivity but it's not actually inclusive because there's so many more ethnicities there's so many like there's so many more ways that you need to be inclusive and they just be like yeah I'm just gonna put a black girl in here yeah. somewhere and make it and it just doesn't work like that and it got to a point where I had to be I had to start being kind of like picky and choosy with the brands that I'd be working with because sometimes I'll see straight up that you do not care about inclusivity like you just want to make a brand look good and I'm not going to allow myself to just be used for that mm-hmm. but on the other hand being the token black girl you can kind of charge whatever you can kind of like you know pull your strings because they need you like for that yeah. for that inclusivity and it's a case where like all of this stuff like influencing and stuff is I feel like it's still quite new in Ireland so um there's not that many, I would say, black Irish influencers. Like, there is, like, a very small handful. I remember there was one brand that reached out to me. Um, they were a skincare brand, and they had, like, I think, like, they were, like, in the bio, it was, like, one of Ireland's, like, best-known dermatologists, stuff like that, whatever. They reached out to me. They were, like, oh... And we want to send you out some skincare products. Like, can you tell us, like, what you struggle with with your skin? And I was like, oh, yeah, I do struggle with, like, some hyperpigmentation, blah, blah, blah. They were like, okay, they actually, like, so send me out a package. And would you believe, as soon as I, as soon as I opened the package, the first thing I seen at the top of the box was a skin whitening cream. What? <laughs> Literally. What? A skin whitening cream. I was like. Yeah. I think I was so shocked. That's like the thing you said about you started learning stuff and educating yourself whenever being black was trending. And I think mm-hmm. it was for me, like after the George Floyd and like BLM marches, yeah. that was like during lockdown, and I started like becoming more aware. I was educating myself, and that's whenever I started to like, I had my natural hair and. I started doing modeling and it did feel like not all the time but sometimes I felt like I was just there because I was black and I don't know (laughs) it is like it's up for debate because it's a good thing as well because it gave me so many opportunities but at the same time you want it to be for the right reasons I think. Exactly exactly that's honestly how I felt it as well and it's just like if you even like looking at some brands and looking at the page before the George Floyd situation Mm -hmm. there was no color on the page and then, like, the George Floyd situation came, and then there's a bit of colour, and then it just went back to normal. Yeah. Like, everything's back to normal Everything's now. back like, to normal, literally, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's another thing as well, like, you said you had to educate yourself. I don't, like, 
like there's not really any coverage of black history in Ireland for my behalf anyway and I think did you find that Rick it was mainly you having to go and find these things yourself like there wasn't much in schools 100% like obviously in schools like the, the basic like about like Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and um, like just the basics there was a very high chance that I could have went through secondary school without knowing anything about race like the word racism I probably did not know like what that meant until I was like 15 I did have to do a lot of research myself which I feel like definitely helped me a lot and the first step would have been like you know when I stopped relaxing my hair then I started coming in with um an afro and then it was all the oh my god can I touch can I this can I that and having to educate everybody else and it's like go just look it up like Mm -hmm. I'm not like your teacher, like I'm not whatever. I shouldn't have to. I'm trying to learn myself. Like I shouldn't have to educate everybody else. And then even in schools, I remember when we started wearing like, kind of like uh, playing around with your braids and playing around with like maybe a bit of color or cornrows or whatever. But it also became an issue of what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And it's mm-hmm. like, how how are you going to tell me? How am I going to come in with the head of braids and you're going to tell me to so go that, home and take it out? Is that an issue in your school? Your hair. Yes, it was an issue. Hair was an issue. It was definitely an issue of like, or even like afros being too big. It's like, Mm. yeah, it's disturbing. Like kids sitting behind you, they can't see the board or. No, no, no. So it was an issue and it was like, or like coming into school, I guess color is is, is a bit of a different situation, but like having like one little blonde braid or whatever, like absolutely no, you have to go home and you you have to take it out like. That's mad, or like having just... like ginger braids yeah you have to go home you have to take it out like your hair has to be i don't know professional or mm-hmm. i don't know just look like acceptable yeah. or whatever acceptable is yeah because i remember whenever i first got my braids i was out of school and i was so it was after lockdown and mm-hmm. i remember i was like worried about going into work in case they would say something but like they didn't they loved my hair but I never faced that in school because I didn't have the braids, but I'm like my course in journalism, I decided to do a topic on basically hair discrimination in the UK because I didn't mm-hmm. genuinely I didn't know it was a thing in Ireland because it never happened to me. Mm-hmm. But there's only now like regulations coming out to stop that in schools and like it's 2023. Like why is it only now? Like it's literally our literally, hair. So sad. <laughs> like well, I it's don't understand. So, so yeah, that's mad that happened. Like in Ireland, like that's I didn't know that was a thing. Maybe all of this stuff is so new, like, so, so new. Like, there's even till today, like, I'm still educating myself and still finding out stuff. And one um, organization I really love, Black and Irish, do you follow them? Yeah, I follow them. They're so, especially during Black History Month, so many things you would never know Mm -hmm. about Black Irish history. Like, I feel like even in schools, like, we're taught about, like, Black history in America or Black history, like, in other countries. But there is actual black history in Ireland yeah. that we just never, like, they just decide that, yeah, it's not really that important. But there is a lot. And if you look at the page, like, you see so much. And it's crazy. It's like, why? Like, we should have the right to have access to this information. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing as well. I find that, I think it was, there was a case, like, a few weeks ago, of a black man in America and I got like quite upset about it and I posted about it but I think someone had texted me and was like that's in America and I was like it doesn't matter like the only difference in me and them is the fact that I live in like London and I think people forget that just because it's in America 
and it's very vocalized in America. It still happens everywhere. Like racism's worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> it really is worldwide, and I think people forget that it's very real in Ireland as well. Very real. Like it's it's really bad. I remember during the whole George Floyd situation, I did do a YouTube video about it, and oh my god, the response I mm-hmm. got was horrible. Like. I had about a thousand people dislike my video. So many Irish people in my comments calling me a monkey, calling me a nigger, telling me to fuck. This is the first time I I actually ever experienced racism in Ireland. (laughs) Telling me to fuck off back to my country, blah, blah. They're like, if you don't like it here, then go home, blah, blah. And I was like, I did not even, I didn't even say all of that. Like, I didn't say any of this. I was just specifically talking about the George Floyd situation and how messed up like the whole situation with racism is and my video actually got taken down like it got so many dislikes and so many on it like the video just got taken down and I remember that time even my family was so scared like my my grandparents were calling me my aunties were calling me and they're like you can't like you can't like talk about stuff like this because it puts your life in danger like what if one of these people that are commenting see you in person and they attack you and all that kind of stuff and it really upset me and I think that's around the time that I stopped doing YouTube as well because it was like What's the point of me having a channel if I'm not able to actually speak yeah. properly mm-hmm. in fear of something happening to me or in fear of, like, backlash or whatever? It was just a very, very weird time. Like, even, like, the the protest that we had in Dublin, during that time, I wasn't even to go. Yeah. Like, it's not safe that you can't go. And it's just, like... It is scary, and especially, like, I think that's why I've put off this podcast for so long because I do like I'm aware that I probably will like face backlash and it's not as if we're coming on like swagging off Ireland like I love where I'm from but it's just, not at all, it's just yeah. like raising awareness like, to like some issues literally like I'm obviously like I'm born and raised here I love I'm extremely pro-Irish I mm-hmm. love my country did you feel like because because I definitely feel like because I'm like mixed race I'm half Irish half Gambian that mm-hmm. is like, where do you fit in? Like, you don't fit in with the white people, you don't 100%. fit in with the black people. Like, where do you go type of thing? 100%. Like, it was... I do feel like I have had, like, a lot of issues with my identity growing up. Especially because, like, growing up in where I did, and there wasn't any black people around me, when I did end up coming to college and... um seeing black people it was wouldn't it was very intimidating for me like I know these are black Irish people but it was so intimidating like I would be talking to somebody and they'd be like oh my god like you're a coachy like mm-hmm. look at your accent like or I'd be talking to someone and they'd be saying stuff like like lang or pang you know like typical yeah. slang yeah. and I wouldn't have a clue mm-hmm. and they'd be like oh my god like where did this girl come from yeah and there was a case where like Oh, it was so hard because it was like, oh my god! Like, I know I'm, I'm not white, but black people, other black Irish people, are seeing me as like the white black girl, yeah. and it was like, oh my god! Like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. So then it got to a point where it's like, oh my god, I have to fit in, I have to learn this. So I went from having all like white Irish friends to then having all like black Irish friends and trying to fit in and trying to learn things and trying to learn like the slang and how like it's done up in the sea and it was like oh I don't know I've just, I've just feel like I've had so many issues of fitting in mm-hmm. anywhere yeah. like fitting in is the hardest part it definitely is especially like being mixed race I still I'm trying to find other friends like still very much a lot of my friends are all white like even the ones I live with in mm-hmm. London but I think London it's very like multicultural so 
I am getting yeah. there, but it was, it is like it's a struggle, and you do feel a bit like nervous going into like a group of people that aren't like you, but you're supposed to be like them, but you're not, and it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely um a thing. So definitely. where where are you now then? So what is your what's your goals? I think you said fashion is your main. Yeah, so I'm in the fashion industry, and so my main aim is. Okay, when I was nursing, I was studying mental health nursing, which I absolutely loved, but I had like a lot of my own mental health issues as well that I couldn't keep up with mm-hmm. college and work and paying my rent and doing all this type of stuff. So I did just have to leave it and go figure out myself. And mental health is like a really, really big thing for me. So um, I've obviously learned so many skills and whatnot. So I would really love to start being able to... Um, help people in that way like on youtube i am looking to start up like um, a little playlist or just something going on on spotify as well of just affirmations as well mm-hmm. and maybe delve into it on tiktok as well but i'm just i don't know pulling me back on it's good but um i would really love to start speaking more and start hosting and presenting and then obviously like i love fashion as well and um, i would probably like start up a clothing line one day but my main like aim and goal in life would be to be the someone that like people would be able to look up to for like help and advice mm-hmm. on how to get through something or basically just like how to like feel better when you're feeling like shit and um, and stuff like that so that's kind of like what I'm looking to move towards in this year but my anxiety has been getting the best to me so I'll I'll film a YouTube video or whatever and I'll just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Never post. So, like, traveling has definitely opened my eyes, like, a lot. I feel like I can be myself mm-hmm. outside of Ireland, but I'm still learning to be myself here. Yeah. See, I think I've, like, I'm in London, so it, it is definitely it's easier whenever you change your environment. But I went home at Christmas, and I just, like, started getting anxious again. I was like, oh, God, like, what if they hate me? Because, like, I've, like, moved or whatever. They think I've changed, and, like, I haven't really changed, but it is easy to get to conform back into those ways and I think I'm very mm-hmm. comfortable here in what I'm doing but I obviously want to probably go home again at some stage so I think it is, thing, it is important yeah. to like be able to be like yourself at home as well. 100% 100% and so many people ask me as well like why haven't I moved why won't I just move I really do want to make it in mm-hmm. Ireland before I move anywhere like I don't want to lose like my Irishness I guess yeah but it is definitely hard on the wide. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> I seen in your Instagram as well, you said you've relaxed your hair now. That's interesting. Yes. Was that a journey? Oh, okay. <laughs> so do you know what? I finally had to let go of this whole like having to make sure that I always look black and I'm always like, you know, representing I literally straighten my hair like 24-7. Like I do not wear my hair curly mm-hmm. and I wear wigs all the time anyway. Yeah. So would it not have been just been 10 times easier for me to just chemically straighten it? So it makes my life so much easier. And I did have some people in my DMs that was like, oh my God, like why? Or like, yeah, like it's, I think apparently it's been linked to like ovarian cancer and stuff like that. And I was like, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But like just because I'm doing it doesn't mean that you should do it. But it's like, I 
I'm free to do whatever with my hair now. I can cut it off today if I want to start again and grow my hair curly. Like, it really doesn't matter anymore. Like, I don't feel that pressure anymore to be, like, pro-black. Like, I feel like I can just do whatever I want with myself. Just because you've, like, got your hair... Just because, like, I know for my hair, like, having braids, but doesn't mean every person's the same. And I think that's another, like, assumption that we're all... Mm -hmm. We all have the same values, we all do the same things, and... Just people run your DMs just for you having your hair mm-hmm. like naturally straight or chemically straightened, but like who cares? Like it's on you. Like, yeah. it's your... like even the whole topic of like let's say like white girls getting braids or doing the edges. First of all, edges I really don't think is a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Like edges is not like something that we used to do like yeah. a thousand years ago. Like it's all new. Like it's just edges. But with braids being so honest and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I don't really care that much or I don't really look too deep into what other people are doing Mm -hmm. but on the flip side I do understand um like why and how it would trigger people um because first of all why people getting braids it's going to destroy your hair Mm -hmm. it's not meant for your hair type it's going to absolutely destroy your hair but if you want to do that with your hair cool but it's like if you are going to do whatever just be respectful about it I feel like the big issue with white people who do get braids is they'll get the braids and then they'll start acting a certain way yeah yep. it's not even about like the hair it's about the way that you're acting mm-hmm. your your i call it black fish you're trying to <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're trying to change your ethnicity like i should not be struggling looking at you and trying to figure out like where you're from yeah do you know yeah. um wearing tan you know, wearing braids or even like wigs are for everybody, but like tanning really does wearing wigs and then like getting BBL and stuff mm-hmm. and like hanging around certain people. I should not be questioning your ethnicity, yeah. like, or even see people on TikTok and, and people are commenting, I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, where you're from. Where you're from, yeah. like, it should not be a thing. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's whenever, as you said, like they've got the braids, their tans darker than my skin color. Um, mm-hmm. they're talking like they're black and again they're mm-hmm. que- like, they're making you question their ethnicity and it's like why like you can't pick and choose like we can't pick and choose when uh, we're black so like you can't literally. pick and choose and they'll be doing this whole um fetishizing mixed race kids as well yes on those stories <laughs> yeah. but yeah um yeah. i'm gonna have like it's not even a case where like oh i want to marry a black man i want to have i don't have to marry a black man i just have to have mixed race kids yeah but they're not like, even how do you like, actually feel about that topic like have you ever like being mixed race like what do you feel about that whole topic in general like the whole fetishizing of mixed race people it's definitely a thing and I'm very aware of like it's a, I have a privilege probably because I am mixed race um and I, mm-hmm. I would always like admit to that um it's a weird one and then obviously you've got the whole mm-hmm. like again it's harder to fit in maybe to like black company because I am mixed race and I'm not again entirely black so uh, mm-hmm. it is it's interesting but it's all I feel like I feel like with that topic it's I'm like where society is now I think we've definitely progressed a lot and it's like a lot better now but I do know young being when I was younger you know you are more the lighter your skin is the more attractive you mm-hmm. are like being mixed race is very attractive or just being black and light skin is very attractive. 
obviously I'm not light-skinned, I'm not mixed race. So I did have a few insecurities with that, like in secondary school, like kind of wishing that I was lighter or whatever. And I did have a mixed race best friend as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a case where like in a lot of things, like in church or in whatever, like I did feel like she would get picked over me or like let's say I was seeing somebody and then they seen her, mm-hmm. they were suddenly interested in her, not interested in me anymore. So it's a bit weird. And I know as well that she did have a lot of identity issues too. Like people would tell her that, uh, you're black. Uh, she would be like, absolutely not. I'm not black. I'm black and Irish. I'm not going to pick like mm-hmm. sides or whatever. And she did have um, a white mom as well. But her her mom was like very much like into the the culture like yeah she was irish but like she was very much like 50 50 like she made sure like her kids like had like the black culture completely Mm -hmm. like she had her irish accent but she also had nigerian accent as well Mm -hmm. like when i seen her like i would like as my culture like i would call her auntie as well like Mm -hmm. she would expect you know all of that like she'd be able to cook nigerian foods all that kind of stuff like the culture was very mixed but like her kids were very much like um Sorry, they were very much into, yeah, I'm not black mm-hmm. and I'm not, like, completely white. I'm both, so yeah. don't call me black and don't call me white type thing. Yeah, I think you know? that's where it's, like, different for me because I really, like, came in contact with my dad, like, this year. So whenever I grew up, it was all white. There was, like, no black culture in my life at all. Like, I know, which I think is differs for me than other people that maybe are, like, like, you're, like, half Irish, half Nigerian, but you had, like, a Nigerian side, whereas I, like, had nothing. So I think that even mm-hmm. amplified more that I was, like, completely whitewashed, and, like, I would admit that, like, I was so... I was basically white. Like, every mm-hmm. part of me was white until I decided I was going to, like, educate myself. But even at that, like... Yeah, I was more of, like, no, I'm not black, I'm white. Like, not that I'm white, but I'm Irish. I completely denied the fact that I was black until I was, like, 21. So now, mm-hmm. like, coming out and doing all this and, like, meeting new people and stuff, it's, like, really nice. But, yeah, that was definitely a thing growing up. Because if someone even mentioned the word black, I'd be like, no, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. 100. I guess like that. Like, if you have no, like, if you're not educated about it and you're not, like, it's not in your life, like, what can you say? Mm-hmm. Like, you have nothing to say about, like, your black side. And I feel like you said you have, you're half Gambian, is it? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually not, like, I probably know one Gambian person, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know anything about Gambian culture yeah. or whatever as well. So um, I feel like that's also like a whole different aspect of how you'd get in touch with that side. Yeah, like, exactly. That culture. That's a whole new challenge. I know, literally. Cause <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of people to meet and I have a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, I have a lot to learn, but it's all part of like the journey. Yeah. And yeah, but there's just none of that growing up, which is fine. Like I don't regret. Like I, I, as I said, I loved growing up. I loved my childhood. I love Ireland. Like I'm very much Irish as well, and just because I'm in London doesn't mean I don't love home. It's just a new opportunity, basically. Did you hear about the George and Kensho situation? What? George and Kensho? No. What's that? Really? Yeah, no. That happened here in Ireland, I think, two years ago. Like a year after the George Floyd situation, and uh, a black man, um, he had like mental health issues. I think he was in the shop or whatever, and he was having an episode in the shop. And he had, like, a knife or whatever for self-defense. So he left the shop and he went home and the guards followed him home. And they literally shot him, like, five times in the back, like, right in front of his home and some of his family. It was crazy. We did protests and everything here in Dublin. And, like, there were just no consequences 
or any first of all i was so scared because i didn't know like guards like had guns mm-hmm. in ireland yeah. that they could just shoot and like shooting someone from the back like that they're not even they're already in their home yeah. and you're shooting them from the back and yeah they killed them that was in ireland that was recent this is this would be i think it's two years now i think his um i never even heard of that that's mad that like it wasn't yeah that i didn't hear but do you find like i know for me it triggers me a lot saying that stuff in the news like and it's hard because i'm like i want to talk about it and i want to speak out but at the same time it's like mentally draining saying it all the time do you do you find that or i think it is really draining really really draining and i kind of have moved away from it or even as well, like being like Nigerian and seeing stuff going on over there mm-hmm. and with like the government and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, how much can I educate myself mm-hmm. and share what I know as well? And then you also have people saying, yeah, no, this is false information. This is that being an educator is very, very difficult, mm-hmm. yeah. very, very difficult and very draining. So I feel like. Um, I feel like I've just given up. I know I shouldn't, but I've just given up. Yeah, it's very tough. I went through a stage like after um, George Floyd and stuff, posting like maybe like every few months on my Instagram, and then just got to the point where I was like, no, because I don't, I don't photo shoot with iconic bronze, and I'd put up a post about um, black fishing before that, and then I put up the no, I don't iconic bronze, and then I put up a post about black fishing, and. It was basically about like what we just talked about, like white girls like literally trying to be black. And then after the iconic bronze shoot, which was for like a tan and water, which is what I would use that anyway, because like, mm-hmm. especially in Ireland, my, my skin gets quite pale. So like it was literally just like a tan and spray. And I remember like someone like commented and was like, it was like a fake account. I was basically saying I was like a hypocrite for like slagging off tan, blah, blah, blah. And like, I was going to comment back and I was like, I can't be bothered, but like, my point wasn't that talent's not the issue. Like talent's fine. Like all my friends use talent. It's like whenever you take, mm-hmm. you take it too far. So I think after that, because like no one likes to get trolled and no one likes to get like hate comments. So I think after that, I stopped talking about that stuff. And even now, I'm doing it again. But it, there is that fear of like people being like, "This is false," and it's like it's just draining trying to like justify yourself whenever you know it's true. Oh, I 100 was hear that as well. I used to before iconic bronze. I used to work with Coco Brown Tan. I used to promote their tan and I would wear tan anyway because I have like a lot of skin issues. I have a lot of discoloration. So I wouldn't use like the darkest one. I'd use like a medium shade. Mm-hmm. It would just be like makeup on my skin. And I was working with Coco Brown Tan for a bit and I would get comments even on their page or on my page. Like be so for real. Like like you don't need to get any darker. You don't need to get this. And it's just like, just it's like, just just use like your two cents. Like use it, you know, Yeah. use your brain. Um, some people just want to say whatever just for the best like yeah i think that's the thing like you just have to like you're not going to please everyone and someone's always gonna say something so i'm just at the stage now where like i'm just gonna like if i if you believe in what you're saying you know it's true then that's the main mm-hmm. thing i think only thing that i would say again that i would have struggled with as well with um influencing is having working with some brands i'm not gonna shame anybody but working with some irish brands a few irish brands where they 100%, 1,000% do not carry your shade. Mm-hmm. But you'll still have to post a reel pretending the shade is your shade. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. or like we're kind of mixing in with a bit of a different foundation just to you know film the video and mm-hmm. um, just because they're paying you even though you know well that no black person can actually ever use this product yeah yeah so it's like they're saying they're inclusive but are they <laughs> are you really inclusive so yeah. i don't know that's a topic for another day <laughs> um it's so you go what would you like to see change um at home i would say specifically in regards to makeup i don't see any reason like if a brand has a wide shade range i don't see any reason for you to not stock all of the shades mm-hmm. i don't know where it is in the country because they do that a lot in the countryside they'll only stock the white shades and um, lately i've been even seeing it in dublin Fenty has a very, very, very wide shade range. Mm-hmm. There is no reason for you to only stock the 20 lightest shades mm-hmm. of Fenty in the shops. It doesn't make any sense. So we need to stop that for real. Yeah. Um, and make things available for everybody. What's one thing you love about Ireland <laughs> to finish on a... I love everything about Ireland. I love this country. <laughs> one thing... And one thing I love a lot about Ireland is that it's not so, like, fast-paced. Like, everything is, like, you can still have time to actually, like, have, like, some fresh air. Like, going to London or whatever, everybody's always rushing to go somewhere. Mm. Or, like, everyone's always, like, you know, just stressed out. Yeah, Ireland is, like, really, like, it's so nice going home. And I know, like, I don't know how it is for people in the city, but, like, for me, like, if I really want to clear my head... I'm going back to the countryside, like where I can actually see the trees. I can breathe in some fresh air, yeah. and things can be normal. Like being able to have like the chats with like your neighbor, or your family, or whatever is like that is really nice. That's one yeah. thing that Ireland has. That's just like, um, it's like it's just a really nice part of the culture that they have kept on, which is really good. So yeah, I think that's my main thing that I miss at home is just like the people. Like everyone is just so nice and friendly and like so nice they just get so nice. they just get the crack whereas he, not that London doesn't but it's just a different type of personality and humour I just think Irish mm-hmm. people are just great so yeah. everyone's a lot more angry and it's just yeah, everyone here is different. just stressed like everyone's actually just so stressed. stressed all the time but yeah but yeah thank you so much for coming on it was really thank fun thank you so much for inviting me you're welcome and I can see you doing big things so i'm excited for oh you. thank you so much and i can see this podcast going far as well i'm excited to actually watch i hope so the episode. <laughs> <laughs>